Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 27 of Jeremiah chapter 50. We're going to be reading Jeremiah 50, verses 42 and 43. They shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. and They shall ride upon horses. Everyone put in array like a man to the battle against thee, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard the report of them, and his hands wax feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. In our last study, we were looking at the many scriptures that the Bible presents, showing that God comes, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes in the day of judgment with his saints. And we saw that the saints are actively involved in um, the the proclamation of Judgment Day. For instance, in Psalm 149, and we read this last time, I'm going to read it again. It says in verse 5, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Two execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye Jehovah. And uh, it, it's not a coincidence that God speaks of coming with ten thousands of his saints And ten thousands would point to the completeness of all the elect. And it is the fact that God has saved all of the elect that is uh, really the underlying cause of judgment, which has permitted God to shut the door of heaven and put out the light of the gospel and, and cease from evangelizing the world. It's all related to the completion of the Lord's salvation program of finding and saving the last one of the elect. And and also God's people that are alive and remaining on the earth are commanded by God to publish these things against Babylon. And we saw that in the early verses of Jeremiah 50. Um, Jeremiah 50, verse 2 says, Declare ye among the nations, and publish, and set up a standard, publish, and conceal not. Say, Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. And this, it relates to what we just read in Psalm 149 that uh, God's saints are executing upon them the judgment written as the Lord opens up more and more information from his word in the day of wrath. It, um, it is also the day of revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Well, what are we to do with this information? Publish it and and conceal not. We're not to hold it back. We're not to um, uh, to keep it to ourselves. We are to share it widely, as widely as possible. Just just as always, there's been no change really in uh, that aspect of things. When God would reveal truth to His people in time past, the people of God would share that truth. And now, in the day of judgment, when God reveals truth to his people, the people of God share that truth. And and this accomplishes the dual purpose 
of feeding the sheep and publishing against Babylon that Babylon has fallen or that the judgment is upon this world. Now, I want to go to a couple more verses before we move on uh, to the next verse in Jeremiah 50. Let's turn back to Jeremiah chapter 25. In Jeremiah 25 is that very helpful chapter uh, wherein God lays out his judgment program of giving the cup first to the people called by his name and then transitioning and giving it to the nations of the world. And um, in Jeremiah 50, verse 28, it says, And it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink, then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith Jehovah of hosts, ye shall certainly drink. For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name, and should ye be utterly unpunished, ye shall not be unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. Now there's no missing what God is saying here. He's he's saying, I've begun to bring evil in a city called by my name. That is, as First Peter 4 17 declares judgment begins at the house of God. In other words, God is saying, I've judged my people, the corporate body, the churches and congregations of the world. And, and now he's addressing the unsaved people of the world and saying, since I've done this, shall you go unpunished? And, and the answer is, well, no, you will not go unpunished. Uh, as it says here, ye shall certainly drink. And so, again, we can't miss it that God here is is first indicating his judgment is on the people called by his name, the church. And now he's addressing those who have not yet been judged the people of the nations. And he says, Ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. And there is that language again. The inhabitants of the earth uh, that we saw in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, after judging the third part throughout that chapter, and that uh, is a reference to the churches and congregations. God concludes the chapter by saying, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the three trumpets yet to sound. And then chapter 9 and, and following are the last three woes or three trumpets against the inhabitants of the earth. And, and and describe the judgment on the world. Well, uh, here too, in in the transition that's being made in Jeremiah 25, God is mentioning the inhabitants of the earth, and we we have to realize and understand this is the cup that's being um, uh, transitioned. It, it's expanding, really. First, it's given to those that profess to be God's people, and they have had their time of judgment. Now it's given to every unsaved individual in all the world. Now, now let, let's read verse 30. After just saying that, that God will call for a sword on all the inhabitants of the earth, we read in Jeremiah 25, verse 30, Therefore, prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them. There it is again, as as we read in um, uh, Jeremiah 50, verse 2. Publish these things. As God said in our verse in Jeremiah 50, 42. Um, everyone put in array like a man 
to the battle against the old daughter of Babylon. And now God is indicating, prophesy thou against them all these words. Prophesy means to speak forth, to declare, to share what the Bible says. And and God doubles it here. Prophesy against them all these words, which would be the word of God, and say unto them. So there it is a second time. You're to speak these things, just as, um, again, Jeremiah 50 verse 2 said, Publish, conceal not, and say unto Babylon. And and so um, this prophesying, and I'm going to go quickly to Revelation 10 and come right back here to Jeremiah 25. We read before in our study of the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 10, that it said in verse 9, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And when we looked at the context of Revelation 10, we saw that this chapter, which appears to be some sort of interlude, between Revelation 9 and Revelation 11, as, uh, in, again, in Revelation 9, God is describing the woes, the beginning of the three woes that come upon the inhabitants of the earth. And in Revelation 11, the third woe finishes. And right in the middle, we, we have this strange, unusual chapter of Revelation 10, where there's a mighty angel who is the Lord Jesus that has a little book open in his hand. And that little book is referring to the word, uh, the scriptures, the Bible. And it's open because remember what God said to Daniel, seal up the book until the time of the end. And at the time of the end, the book is open and and therefore we know that that this has to do with the time of the end with judgment and even though the book was the bible was open at the beginning of the great tribulation it stayed open throughout the great tribulation into our present time of judgment as again Romans 2:5 um I made mention of earlier speaks of the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And and here the Lord has this book open in his hand, commands the Apostle John, who would be a figure representing true believers, to take the book and to eat the book. And it was in his mouth sweet as honey, which we would expect because that's the nature of of the Bible to the believers. It's very sweet. And yet it made his belly bitter. And and that is a very significant statement because it is out of the belly that flow uh, to of those who have been saved and have the Spirit of God, rivers of living water as the gospel goes forth out of their life. But in this case, what they have eaten from the word of God brings forth bitter water or, or it turns their belly bitter. And, and that relates to a gospel in which there is no salvation. It's still the word of God and therefore sweet to the child of God's mouth to learn uh, truth from uh, the things we read in the Bible. And we have been learning more and more information, more and more truth 
concerning the nature of God's judgment. It's a spiritual judgment, the, the end of salvation. We've learned many things. Uh, God's people would be left on the earth in the time of judgment. But they're all bitter because there is no salvation. Even though um, all the Lord's people would share these things, share the truth of the word of God and spread it far and wide, yet there would be no one who hears these things that will become saved. And, and that is a very different, uh, and hard thing, uh, for, um, for the people of God uh, concerning the gospel, which is the truth of the word of God. The gospel has always been declared. The truth has always been declared. But we could always in, in, uh, past time in the day of salvation expect that as the gospel was declared as truth was um, sent forth and shared with people, that here and there would be one of God's elect and they would become saved. But we have no such expectation now. That we, we share true and faithful doctrine, sound doctrine, and yet it, it does not convince the gainsayer. There is none that has their heart of stone turned to a heart of flesh. There is none with a deceitful heart that have it taken out and given a new heart and a new spirit. It's not happening anywhere, which uh, which is why this is such a bitter thing. And yet, despite that, notice again, Revelation ten eleven. He said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And uh, it, it was from the peoples, nations, and tongues that a great multitude were saved out of the great tribulation. And, and, and uh, that's language indicating all over the earth is, is where you must prophesy and, and God is speaking directly to us. We must prophesy, as it says in Jeremiah 25, verse 30, Therefore prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them, Jehovah shall roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Now, there's a reference to Jehovah giving a shout as they that tread the grapes. And uh, if, if you remember in Revelation 14, in a chapter dealing with Judgment Day, we find a reference to uh, the Lord Jesus who is treading the winepress in Verse 20 of Revelation 14, In the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. And um, interestingly, uh, this language of Judgment Day is also set in the context of Babylon's fall, it, going back to verse 8 of Revelation 14, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city. And uh, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And in that context, God then goes on to describe giving the cup of wrath to all that worship the image of the beast. and And then the language of harvest and the verse we just read in verse 20 of the winepress being trodden without the city. Christ is trotting the winepress of the wicked, of the vine of the earth. And it is their blood that's overflowing and flowing forth for the space of 1,600 furlongs. 
And uh, Leviticus tells us the life is in the blood. And that's language indicating in all probability that it is God's plan once he begins the day of judgment, and judgment began on May 21, 2011, that's the time of the end of the Great Tribulation. Historically, it would have been the end of Babylon's 70-year period of rule and the fall of Babylon. And then for 1,600 days, in all likelihood, it is Judgment Day. It is the time God is crushing out the life of the wicked people of the earth, treading them as the vine of the earth in his winepress. Their blood, their life continues to flow forth for the space of 1,600 furlongs, which represent 1,600 days. And then on the last day of judgment, in all likelihood, October 7th, 2015, the the flow of the blood ceases, the life of the wicked comes to a close, it is the end of all things, and that day also happens to be the last day of harvest. And that's an amazing thing as we read of Christ putting in the sickle in verse after verse in the previous verses leading up to verse 20. And then a number is given that once tied to May 21, 2011, leads us directly to the very last day of tabernacles and the last day of the Feast of Ingathering or Harvest. And that's what we expect will be the conclusion of God's wrath being poured out against all the wicked of the earth. And and I think we have reference to that here in Jeremiah 25, verse 30. And then it says in verse 31, A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for Jehovah hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith Jehovah. And it goes on with even more language describing the day of judgment. So there's one other place in Jeremiah 25 where it's very clear. God says, prophesy thou against them. And here he's talking about the inhabitants of the earth in the day of judgment. And the uh, connection, of course, is Babylon represents the world, the nations of the world, the kingdom of Satan. And prophesying against Babylon is prophesying against the inhabitants of the earth. All right, one more place in Isaiah 34. Isaiah chapter 34. And I'll read the first few verses. It says, Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. Well, uh, here God is making it known very clearly before what he's about to say that First of all, he mentions the nations are to come near and hear. Then he says, hearken ye people. There's there's a second time he's saying it. Then he says, let the earth hear. There's a third time. And all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. Now that's another incredibly strong emphasis upon making sure we don't miss this point that the world is to hear. Let them hear. Let the earth hear. Don't hold back or conceal, as Jeremiah 50 verse 2 said, but let them hear. What are they to hear? Verse 2, For the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood, 
and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heaven shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of Jehovah is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For Jehovah hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And and the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls. And their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone. And the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. That is what God wants the world to hear. That is what the nations are to hear. The people are to hearken to and so forth. That it is judgment day that the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations. And not, now, now go back to verse 2 of Isaiah 34. For the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations. It does not say will come. In other words, it's not looking to a future period of judgment day, but when God says, let the earth hear and hearken and all that language that we read in verse 1, and then in verse 2, he indicates it is a present happening. It is upon all nations. And God, of course, uh, is writing this hundreds of years before the first coming of Christ, but he's looking ahead to the very day, the time of judgment, and writing as though it's happening at the present moment. And and therefore, verse 1 is revealing God's plan that when it does happen, you are to proclaim it. And, and I am to proclaim it. And all of God's people are to proclaim it. In order that the earth hear, let them hear. Well, you know, uh, there there are more verses, but we're going to continue on in our study. I think um, the scriptures we've read are more than sufficient to show of God's plan for the time of judgment. We're not to hold back. We're, we're not to uh, think that we can just quietly... Um, amongst ourselves, study the Bible and not share it with anyone. No, the Bible won't allow for that. Now, um, people may still do that, but if they do, they're going against the will of God concerning what He would have done during this period of time. We, we are to openly declare. And that means to go out with tracts, that's a good way of doing it, and to share Bible tracts, such as eBible um, has developed and, and is making available to people free. Um, there's no charge for them, and you can write to eBibleFellowship at Juno.com and request them if you like. We'll, we'll try to get them to you as soon as we can. And these tracts say spiritual judgment began or no more salvation. Um, and, and they both relate back to May 21, 2011. And they are in accord with what God is telling us that we are to publish. We are to proclaim. We're to let the earth hear that God's judgment is upon them. 
and 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 so tracks are a good way um sharing information in whatever way we we know how to do this uh god's people have done it in the past with the gospel in the day of salvation we know how to share with people one on one and in various ways and we are to follow the same procedure, the same pattern only. We're not to give anyone the idea that we're evangelizing or that God is still saving. We have to make sure of that. It is, it is evident that no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That time is over. That period of the day of salvation has ended. Now we're in the day of judgment and God's not saving. The only hope the Bible allows is the hope, well, maybe, maybe it's possible that God saved you before he shut the door of heaven, before he put out the light of the gospel, and and that is the hope the Bible permits. All right, let's go back to Jeremiah 50 and we'll read verse 43. The king of Babylon has heard the report of them, and his hands wax feeble. Anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. Now, uh, again, uh, we've seen before that Jeremiah 50, in in uh, these few verses, is very similar to a passage in Jeremiah chapter 6. And it says, in Jeremiah 6, verse 23, They shall lay hold on bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voice roareth like the sea, and they ride upon horses, set in array as men of, for war against thee, O daughter of Zion. We have heard the fame thereof. Our hands that wax feeble, anguish has taken hold of us, and pain as of a woman in travail. So, in in that passage, God is describing Babylon's assault against Judah, or Satan coming against the church. In Jeremiah six, it's it's uh, speaking of judgment beginning at the house of God. And notice the difference where in Jeremiah six, it it says we have heard. Our hands wax feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. And and that means it, it's speaking of those within the churches. But uh, in Jeremiah 50, although the language is very similar, it, it's just the king of Babylon that's in view. The king of Babylon hath heard the report of them. His hands wax feeble. Anguish took hold of him. So all the statements in Jeremiah 6 that applied to um, the inhabitants of the church or of, uh, historically of Judah in Jeremiah 50 are applied only to the king of Babylon. They're singular. And in Jeremiah 6, it's plural. And in Jeremiah 50, 43... The king of Babylon is the one in view. And I think we can understand this by um, seeing the king of Babylon as a figure or a figurehead, uh, a representative of all Babylon. And we know spiritually the king of Babylon is Satan. And it, it, even though it is interesting that the Bible gives us a historical record, a biblical account of the fall of Babylon. If you remember in Daniel chapter 5, in Daniel 5, we, we find the king of Babylon having a celebration with his lords. And I'm going to read the first um, few verses here in Daniel 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords, and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whiles he tasted the wine, 
commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princess, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. And here, this is the king of Babylon, and the writing of uh, the came forth, fingers of a man's hand, and wrote against the candlestick, uh, upon the plaster of the wall, the king's palace, that writing was done by the hand of God. And what else has God written with his hand? The Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we know these things. The king of Babylon is a type and figure of Satan. Notice it said in Daniel 5, 5, in the same hour, is when the writing was written on the wall. And and we also know that the king of Babylon, at this point that we're reading in Daniel 5, was still reigning. The, the 70 years had not elapsed as yet. Babylon had not yet fallen. And, and therefore, it is a picture of Satan ruling in the church and in the world, in a tremendous way, during the little season of the Great Tribulation. Now, it's getting close to the close of the 70-year period, very close, but it's not yet there. And, and therefore, the reference to the same hour, we can understand to refer to the the one hour of great tribulation, as the Bible likens the great tribulation to an hour. And it was in the hour that the king of Babylon saw the writing on the wall and notice his reaction, his thoughts, his countenance was changed, his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. Soon after, Daniel will be called in and will decipher the writing on the wall for the king of Babylon, and and Daniel will reveal that uh, his days are numbered and his kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, the, the Medes and the Persians take the kingdom and slay the king of Babylon. Now, all this relates to God opening up the scriptures at the time of the end, which took place within that hour. As we read in Mark chapter 13, it says in this chapter, dealing with the great tribulation and the end of the world, in verse 11, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, Take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. And that's the hour of great tribulation. So God writes on the wall in that hour, and Daniel comes and is able to understand this a mysterious writing that no one else could understand. And it all relates to God's opening up of his word as uh, the, the natural mind and, and, and all those within Satan's kingdom, the unsaved, cannot understand the writing. But God's people understand. And in God's opening it up 
to their understanding. They see it has to do with judgment and with the fall of Babylon, with the destruction of Satan, and all that relates to May 21, 2011, which was the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning of the judgment of this world. It was the point of Babylon's fall, or the judgment of the world. And yet, historically, the king of Babylon heard the report and had a very physical reaction where he was greatly troubled in mind and body. And and so we can see elements of that here in what God is saying in Jeremiah 50, verse 43. The king of Babylon has heard the report of them, and his hands wax feeble, anguish took hold of him, and pangs as of a woman in travail. Now, this language of hearing the report and hands waxing feeble is, uh, of course, important, and uh, it, it's stated this way for a reason. Uh, we we find um, similar language in other places. Uh, for instance, in Ezekiel chapter 21, in Ezekiel 21, that uh, God is dropping his word, as it says in verse 2, against Jerusalem, Son of man, set thy face toward Jerusalem, and drop thy word toward the holy places, and prophesy against the land of Israel. And then, in verse 4, seeing then that I will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked, Therefore shall my sword go forth out of his sheath against all flesh from the south to the north, that all flesh may know that I, Jehovah, have drawn forth my sword out of his sheath. It shall not return any more. Sigh, therefore, thou son of man, with the breaking of thy loins, and with bitterness sigh before their eyes. And it shall be, when they say unto thee, Wherefore sighest thou, that thou shalt answer, for the tidings, because it cometh, and every heart shall melt, and all hands shall be feeble, and every spirit shall faint, and all knees shall be weak as water. Behold, it cometh, and shall be brought to pass, saith the Lord Jehovah. Now again, this is describing the judgment on the church, and it's uh, making reference to every heart melting, and all hands being feeble. We also um, notice that that their knees are weak as water. Remember the king of Babylon's knees uh, knocked together out of fright and fear for uh, being disturbed by by the the writing that that was on the wall. And um, well, let, let's keep reading in a couple of other places. We'll see that. This language of waxing feeble uh, relates to Judgment Day. And then we're going to try, uh, hopefully we'll have time to um, look at the spiritual meaning of what it is if your hands wax feeble or your knees. Uh, uh, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 7. And it, beginning in verse 14, They have blown the trumpet, even to make all ready, but none goeth to the battle, for my wrath is upon all the multitude thereof. And again, this would tie in with the worldwide declaration and warning of the trumpet sound, a very certain trumpet sound. May 21, 2011, Judgment Day. Well, now the trumpet has been blown. They have blown the trumpet, meaning it's passed. To make already, but none goeth to the battle. And, and therefore, as a result, God's wrath is upon the multitude, as it is right now. And it says in verse 15 of Ezekiel 7, The sword is without, and the pestilence and the famine within. He that is in the field shall die with the sword, and he that is in the city, famine and pestilence shall devour him. But they that escape of them shall escape and shall be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning, everyone for his iniquity. All hands shall be feeble, and all knees shall be weak as water. 
they shall also gird themselves with sackcloth, and horror shall cover them, and shame shall be upon all faces, and baldness upon all their heads. They shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of Jehovah. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is the stumbling block of their iniquity. Now this um, language here, their silver and gold not able to deliver them in the day of wrath, it is uh, very similar. It reminds us of Zephaniah chapter 1. And Zephaniah 1 goes into great detail concerning the day of wrath. And then uh, God says in verse 18, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Jehovah's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. That's the same language. Their silver or their gold shall not be able to deliver them. Now, uh, we understand the Bible indicates that silver and gold spiritually can represent true believers. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 3, God speaks of putting the fire to those that that um, they've heard the gospel. And some are wood, hay, stubble, he says, meaning they'll be burned up. And others are, are gold, silver, precious stones, indicating they'll endure the fire. Also in Zechariah 13, the Lord relates his people to to gold and silver that goes through a fire. And it, it, is it uh, just a coincidence that here we are in Judgment Day and there are people who ought to know better, but but they don't uh, for whatever reason. They, they have been saying that it cannot be Judgment Day. God would not end his salvation program because the believers are still on the earth. God would not bring judgment on the world and leave his people on the earth. There there must still be salvation, in other words, they're saying, because God's people are still on the earth. And in a, in a very... Um, definite way, they are indicating that gold and silver believers are delivering them from judgment. Because believers are here, because gold and silver is still here, we are delivered from the idea that it's judgment day. And yet God says their their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of wrath. Just as Ezekiel 14 indicated when describing three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, who uh, are some of the most faithful men you can read about in the Bible. And then God says in uh, Ezekiel 14:15, if I cause noisome beast to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beast, though these three men were in it. As I live, saith the Lord Jehovah, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. You see, again, it said, in Ezekiel 7:19 their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of wrath well as i live god says in Ezekiel 7:14 uh, he speaks of Noah Daniel and Job or gold silver precious stones and they these most faithful of men god's elect will not be able to deliver sons nor daughters. Gold and silver will not deliver you in the day of wrath. And just because the elect are still on the earth, do not wrongly and and um, 
incorrectly think that this will deliver you, that it cannot be Judgment Day because the people of God are still here. No, no, that uh, that's not possible, God is saying. Noah, Daniel, and Job could not deliver even their own children. And the presence of God's elect in the church could not deliver anyone in the church when God began judging the churches and congregations. So don't think for a second, not even for a moment, that the presence of a true believer will prevent Judgment Day, will prevent God from pouring out His wrath. It is not the case. Well, let's go to one um, more place. I don't think we're going to be able to get to the spiritual meaning of this, but we uh, will take a look at Isaiah 13 in verses 6 through 9. It says, and this is the chapter, remember, verse 1 of Isaiah 13, the burden of Babylon. And, and this is a chapter that clearly draws the tie together or or binds together Babylon in the world where where God starts out speaking of uh, the burn of Babylon and then he quickly shifts to discussing the judgment of the world uh, uh, on the last day. And it says in Isaiah 13, 6, How ye, for the day of Jehovah is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty, therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt. Now the word faint uh, here is wax feeble. All hands will wax feeble as we've been reading in these other verses. And every man's heart shall melt and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of Jehovah cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And and again, here God, in speaking of Babylon, is saying, all hands will be waxing feeble. And that um, strengthens and reinforces or confirms our understanding that the king of Babylon is a figurehead. When God says that his hands wax feeble, he's representing the kingdom. He's representing all Babylon and and, and all the unsaved people within his kingdom. Uh, and uh, Isaiah 13 in these verses confirms that. Well, we're not going to have time in this study to look at the spiritual meaning. Lord willing, in our next study, we'll go to some scriptures that will show the spiritual meaning of what what God has in view regarding hands waxing feeble or knees waxing feeble. And uh, you, you can look this up. In the meantime, in your concordance, just look up um, Strong's number 7503, Wax Feeble, and uh, look for how God uses that language in some places, and I think you'll be able to see what the spiritual meaning is. But uh, at this time, we'll conclude our study. Please join us the next time we get together for our Sunday afternoon Bible study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.